This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Pittsburgh Steelers are back. No, like quite literally, they're back. From the bye. They're back in action. Yeah, the bye week is behind us, thank God. Gets a little miserable once that bye week, you know, keeps dragging towards Thursday and Friday. Headline heavy. Oh my God. It's like we're back in the training camp mode of things again. But thank God that is well in the past. Won't have to deal with that again this year, unless, of course, they get the number one seed and we'll have a bye. Which we fully expect them to do, right? Because they're going to win out from here on out. No. But. By week behind us, Steelers now turn the page towards AFC North division rival, the Cleveland Browns. Going to get a lot into that matchup as the week rolls along, but little news from Steelers practice yesterday. Eric Ebron, little outspoken-ish towards the media, and Jacob, he used a naughty word, and we don't like naughty words here on the Steelers Not Standard. Not on this show. Not on the Steelers Standard with myself, Tom Offerman, and Jacob Reck. We don't, we don't do naughty words like that, Eric Ebron, but... He was showing or speaking out about his frustration with his lack of usage, but it was a weird way of him speaking out about it because it was like, I'm not going to say anything about this. I'm going to be different than who I usually am. Usually I'm a very outspoken person, but I'm just going to keep my thoughts to myself this time. But in doing so, he's kind of putting his thoughts out there that he's not being used in the right way. So it's a really weird, like, well, I'm not saying anything about my usage, but you, you just you just did say something about your usage by not saying anything about it. So maybe there's some growth happening with Eric Ebron there. Maybe the coaches are in his ear and finally saying, hey, why don't you just be quiet to the media, man? Why don't you just, you know, buy into what we're trying to do here? I will say this, though. He admitted, though, that he, he, he just can't stay quiet. He can't stay quiet. He said it was hard as bleep when Mark Caballi asked the follow-up if it was hard for him to stop. And then he said, but I'm going to because I'm a professional. Right. Yeah, I'm going to starting now. Yeah, right now. No. Okay, now I'm going to start. Wait, I got one more thing to say. Okay, now I'm going to start. Like, that's seriously what you're kind of doing, Eric Ebron. But I will say this. There is a lot of truth to the matter of his role being diminished in this team because – Pat Fryermuth is the number one tight end and is better than Ebron in every category. When he came in after being drafted, he was already better than Ebron at blocking. We've obviously found out that Fryermuth isn't the best blocker. I think Gentry has that crown as far as best blocking tight end on this team is concerned, but he immediately became better than Ebron in the blocking game when he was drafted out of Penn State. And then it only took him a few games to to make it clear he's better in the pass catching game as well so no question if you can't run block and Zach Gentry's the king at that and you're not even the best threat in the passing game you're gonna see a diminished role Eric Ebron and you had the advantage Eric Ebron by getting that I like how we're calling him his full name for like we're mad at him for some reason but we're really not but it's just no it's kind of like how when you get your hand caught in the cookie jar and your parents use your full name yeah like, first middle come on, name eric ebron i don't know eric ebron's middle name but so i that 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 leaves us just to use his first and last name but he had the advantage of playing with ben roethlisberger all of last year uh except for a handful of snaps uh eric ebron was on the field for the majority of the season in 2020 so you had that time to develop your relationship with ben roethlisberger and it looked like you were doing so no one was really criticizing you in the past game up until the very, very end of the season when it wasn't just you, but Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool were being criticized for their 
uh, stale hands. Uh, so, yes, you were thrown into that conversation, but it wasn't an isolated – you weren't the isolated contributor. You weren't the isolated criminal uh, for that crime. No. And now, all of a sudden, Pat Ryanwith comes in as the rookie, and typically when you work – when you start to work, work with the rookie – it's going to take some time, and usually the guy that's there before you is going to kind of not be so nervous as to losing his starting job. But as you said, Tom, it only took a couple of weeks before Ben and Frymouth developed a, if not the same type of relationship, if not better than the one that Ben and Fry, Ben and Ebron had made up until that point. I think it is already better. I think Ben obviously likes him as a target, and... I think Fryermuth is going to be utilized more and more in this offense moving forward with Juju Smith-Schuster out. The thing with Ebron is, though, I know that I can't really come out and say, man, you can't be that frustrated in the, in front of the media. You can't voice your displeasure because, again, he technically did not voice his displeasure. He made it very clear that this is not me complaining. This is me keeping my mouth shut. Continue to keep that mouth shut, Eric, because you're going to be utilized throughout the rest of the season because of Juju's injury. I see a lot of double tight end, and I see a lot of double tight end where they're both going out for passing routes. And as much as Gentry brings to the table as a run blocker, he's not bringing anything to the table in the passing game. So when you go double tight, you're going to need to be checked in, and you're going to need to be you know, still focused mentally because even though say for the first three quarters of the game firemuth has seven targets and six catches and you have no targets the fourth quarter might come and it might be third and six and ebron you might find yourself wide open in the middle of the field and there's your one target one big catch you know just because you're not going to be that so-called starting tight end now for this team that doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you're going to have big contribute contributions and i think you saw that already where he ran the ball in for a touchdown in the Seattle game, but you never really heard from him other than that in that football game. But he scored a touchdown. Like, Frymuth had like seven targets. He had all the targets, all the catches, but you still got in the end zone and got a big six points for the offense. So you're still going to be involved, so don't mentally check out. It was the first rushing touchdown by a Steelers tight end in franchise history, Sure, I don't know. I mean, a long, long, long time, so... If I were Ebron, I would not be complaining as much because, as you said, Tom, yeah, Farmer's got the targets, but you're getting contributing plays every week. There, there is no, there is no. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. You're not being disregarded here. You're not being swept to the side completely and said it's just Fryermuth for the passing game and it's just Gentry in the blocking game. No, you you're being utilized. It's just sorry, it's not going to be circa twenty what what was that twenty eighteen when you had eighteen touchdowns with Andrew Luck. You were the only option on that team. I think T. Y. Hilton was injured and they didn't have guys like whoever, Mo Alley Cox and, and and any other secondary receiver to T. Y. Well, even his first year last year in Pittsburgh, he was targeted a ton by Ben. Exactly. You you are a part of this team. I'm just it's it, it's kind of reminiscent of of Juju Smith Schuster saying, I don't want to be that slot receiver for you. I want to be a deep ball threat like Chase Claypool. Buddy, I'm sorry. Chase Claypool is Chase Claypool. Pat Fryermuth is Pat Fryermuth and you're Eric Ebron. You have a role on this team. Do so with it as best as you can because you will get the recognition 
if you sit down, do your job, and don't complain. Well, let's not forget he's not complaining. He's made it very clear that he's right, not right, complaining. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm sorry for misinterpreting. It's hard words. as bleep, but he's not complaining. Pat Fryermuth, let's move on to him because he has been a ray of light in the passing game as far as tight ends are concerned. Even though Eric Ebron did an okay job last year as that main tight end target, him and Vance McDonald being the two tight ends in the 2020 season, Pat Fryermuth is an aspect to this offense that I think the Steelers have been missing, and I hate to bring it up, but it since Heath Miller, really. I mean, I know you had your spaths, and I know you had Jesse James have a nice Vance run McDonald's. for a while. Vance McDonald had an okay run for a while. But these are guys who are only here for about a year, a year and a half, effectively. Pat, there's, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a similarity between them. I see Pat Fryermuth having the longevity that a Heath Miller did. Now, I think they're going to be different players because Heath was a throwback tight end. He blocked. He got those disgustingly tough yards over the middle. He did it ugly, and that's a compliment in every sense of the word. And Fryermuth can get those tough yards. He's a big dude. He's tough to bring down. But I see him developing into more of a prototypical tight end in today's NFL, whereas he's a receiver in a tight They're end's more body. more of the Gronk and, and the Kyle Pitts. I see him being in that mold. Because that's yeah. the mold he was in at Penn State his whole time. He was the playmaker on that offense. So, yeah, I can understand as he's a rookie, maybe he's the third or fourth option. But as he develops and maybe some of these receivers move on in free agency, he could become the number two option in this offense very easily for me. What was it? When he was at Penn State, other than Kyle Pitts, at the most targets by a tight end in the red zone. And he never dropped never one. Never dropped one. Until the NFL, which he did drop one in week two against the Bengals. But he made up for it because he scored a touchdown in that game. Or That was week two against the Raiders. He dropped week one. Week two. Caught it against the Bengals right. week three. But I digress. He's a big red zone target. He's a playmaker. I think that's the role he ends up that's fine. finding himself in Adjust as he Adjust to forward. the game of which you play in that specific era. I, like, it was great to see Heath Miller play the way he did because the game hadn't evolved into the passing-friendly type league that it is today. Now it is all pass. Only a handful of teams have a legitimate running option with a legitimate running back. And... Yes, the Steelers have that guy in Najee Harris, but if you also have the guy like Pat Farmer, who can be maybe the next guy up when it comes to the class of tight ends between Gronk and Kelsey and Kittle, now it could be Kyle Pitts and Pat Farmer. That's a huge advantage to your offense. Oh, no question about it. Those guys are such mismatch nightmares for defenses that uh, you crave that when you're rooting for your NFL team to get a player that has that kind of an impact on the game it's priceless the mismatches he creates the you, things he does to open up your receivers it's just you can't put a price tag on it when you think about it there isn't a guy on offense the Steelers don't have they have the deep threat in Chase, Chase Claypool they have the elite slot receiver in Deontay Johnson they have the all-purpose running back in, in Najee Harris they have a Semi-competent blocking tight end and Zach Gentry, and they have the receiving threat tight end and Pat Farmer. You you left one out there, the quarterback. I uh, know I'm saying <laughs> offensive weapons to the quarterback. Listen, this is kind of an aside, but I really think the Steelers are set up next year for a really decent team as long as the quarterback doesn't fall off a complete cliff when Ben Roethlisberger retires and the next guy comes in. Mm -hmm. They have, like you just laid out, a ton of pieces that they can use moving forward. This team is not in dire straits right now. Other than the quarterback, and 
but that's because the, he's not retiring. The offensive line. I'm talking about weapons to the yes. quarterback. There isn't a box the Steelers don't check not off. Not at all. So honestly, you know, people are nervous about the post Ben era, and you should be because it is a scary world out there in the NFL when you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback or even a competent quarterback that you know of. But it could be a lot worse, ladies and gentlemen. They could have quarterback question marks and question marks at all the skill position players. Like you said, Jacob, they got all those boxes checked right now. And I think Pat Frymuth is just going to continue to get better and better and become a bigger contributor to this offense. Looking at the receiving core, heading out of the bye, my main question mark is get healthy. Uh, Juju aside, obviously, mm -hmm. as he's done for the year. Chase Claypool's been dealing with some nagging stuff. Deontay Johnson's been dealing with some nagging stuff. Each of those guys have missed one game this year. James Washington was supposed to step into that number three role. At least that's what we all assumed was going to happen. He was dealing with a groin injury. It left him out of practice most of the week leading up to Seattle. He found himself getting only eight snaps, where Ray Ray McLeod got, I think, 18 snaps, close to 20 snaps. He got the third receiver's workload in that mm -hmm. game. And a lot of us were like, whoa! That can't be the case. I don't want Ray Ray McLeod to be out there as the third guy. What happened to James Washington? I'm assuming it was the groin injury and his lack of practice before Seattle. We will find out practices this week leading to Cleveland in the game Sunday what the deal is, though, for real. This is not the same case as last year when you saw guys like Jalen Samuels getting more snaps than Chase Claypool. This is entirely different. This is entirely based off of availability and, and capability I dealing think so. with an injury. I think so. I, I, I think am not as nearly as concerned with with this snap count being in, in its current state as I was last year with Samuels getting more than Ebron. Uh, you mean Claypool? Yes, than Claypool. Sorry. I, I, I think you're Ebron right. on the mind. I think you're right because that seems to be the vibe from a lot of Steelers beat writers it's that, it, yeah, he got a hat on Sunday and was there to play on Sunday, but he did not practice at all in the week leading up to Seattle, and he was going to take on a bigger workload in that game than he had been used to, not just this year, but really for the majority of his Steelers career. You'd have to go back to 2019 when he really slid into that, you know, number three kind of slot before they even had Chase Claypool on this team. And he had Duck and Mason throwing him the football that year. So this is a new expanded role for James Washington. So I get feeling a little hesitant and holding him out. But uh, you just you can't go with Ray Ray McLeod moving forward more than Washington. Unless you're seeing something in practice that Washington's just been abysmal. There's nothing that tells you that that's the case, though. His pedigree's way better. Second-round pick out of a Power 5 school in Oklahoma State. Obviously, Ray Ray McLeod went to Clemson. So he went to a damn fine school as well. You never heard of Ray Ray McLeod, really, when he was at Clemson, though. Few and far between. No, he it was... wasn't like when the Steelers drafted Marcus Wheaton no. and then Martavis Bryant. He both was Clemson guys. third and fourth fiddle when he was there at Clemson. Mm -hmm. Still great and still a big-time contributor for powerhouse football teams. But he doesn't have that pedigree, Bolitnikoff award-winning pedigree that James Washington does. And that's why I'm hopeful that Brown's game, you'll see his snaps take an uptick, and he'll be in there a lot more than Ray Ray McLeod. I, I think you're right about that. And I think James Washington, when healthy, can bring a pretty good amount to the table. Like I said, he's got that Bolitnikoff pedigree in his background. I, I think he can be a contributor for this team. He better step up for his own right, too, because 
Money's going to start to run out on you here, James. You're right. running low on your rookie deal here. You're going to need to be signed by either the Steelers or another NFL team soon. So you got to put some real good tape out there in your last year on your rookie deal. He absolutely has to. And right now, this is his best chance of his young career to do so because every year there have been at least – that he's been on the team, there have been at least three guys, maybe not as rookie year, but again, he was a rookie. So it's hard yeah. to break out as, as a rookie. But I guess you could say that Deontay Johnson did so in his rookie year, and, and Chase Claypool did it his. And then when you had your, ne- your last opportunity, you had Duck Hodges throwing you the ball. Exactly. So that's maybe that's the best point that you can make was in his best chance to make an impact. It, there was no quarterback or legitimate quarterback who could get him the ball effectively and efficiently. But he still did a pretty damn good job too. Oh no, he yeah. did. It, it just the offense was totally different at that point. Yes. There was there was no running game whatsoever, so they had to pass the ball. So that's why you saw his numbers in an increased uh, capacity compared to this year. But this is the time, James Washington. Again, we're going first name last name uh, <laughs> on this episode because Juju is out. And you no longer have three guys ahead of you on the, on the depth chart. It is only two, and they have different roles than you do. You can kind of fill that void that Juju left better than anyone else still healthy and available to this team. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that, in a way, I was ready to move on from Juju in the offseason because of James Washington. I, I thought that the Steelers could afford to let Juju walk because number 13 was ready to step into that spot. Mm-hmm. And—, and put up the production that Juju did. I I thought that that was a feasible thing that he could attain. Obviously, you bring Juju back, and you're fine with that because then you create more depth in your receiver room, depth that is clearly being utilized right now as Juju goes down for the year. And they're kind of in the same spot they thought they would be in once the 2020 season ended, and it was almost a foregone conclusion at that point that Juju was going to walk. Obviously, things didn't turn out that way. But in a weird way, the universe has kind of evened it out into being that now. And now it's up to James Washington to absolutely step up and produce in that number three role. And uh, what's so nice about him is I think he can hit the deep ball more than Juju could. And I know Juju had those deep balls when he was younger. But but those were really just running catch and runs. Yeah, sorry, catch and runs. I think James Washington is almost in that same mold as a Chase Claypool. Like, I think he skews more. I think Claypool's obviously way better than him and potentially will be way better. But I think as far as the mold of a receiver he is, I think Washington skews more towards the Claypool type. Bigger, fast, can blow by a defensive back, hit you for 50 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. To my so I like having two of those guys on the field. Absolutely. Now. To my recollection, the one year where the offense was completely putrid because of Mason and Duck – he James Washington had the only long touchdown catch, and that was against the Bengals. You remember that was the first time I think, or maybe the second time. It's hard to keep track how many times the Steelers went. And back I want to say he led the team in receptions that year too. Very possible, I, I but he, he had that he had that long seventy yard touchdown pass uh, from Duck Hodges because they benched Mason Rudolph. Yes, in the first against half. the Bengals. Exactly. He, not only did he go down the field, and there was a lot of air on that ball. But in order to get into the end zone, he, he put a mean stiff arm on, on whoever the defender was. Yeah, no, he's a physical guy. He's bigger. Like, not Claypool big, but he's bigger. He's not Deontay Johnson small. You know what I mean? So, lot again, of, that wasn't a juju catch and run. That no, ball aired out. A lot of, lot of hope for James Washington is really what I'm trying to get at here. Is it weird for me to say, moving out of the bye week, I'd like to see even more Najee? Like, 
seems to be a bit of a dumb thing for me to say because they've been using him and using him and using him. But I still think they could use him a little bit more. I just think that I watched the Saints play on Monday Night Football, and that offense is all Alvin Kamara, whether it's passing game, whether it's rushing game. But didn't it frustrate you how little he was used in the second half? Yes, that's exactly where I was going with this. He had 100 yards <laughs> receiving in the first half. And I think he finished like 115. Then they just go away from him, and they, by the skin of their teeth, drag a game out against the Seattle Seahawks. I think if you just keep feeding that man the rock, you're winning that game by a touchdown at least. It was odd to see that happen, but I started to think about how the Steelers haven't to that extent gotten away from Najee this year because it was bizarre what the Saints did on Monday Night Football. But I have seen times where they've kind of maybe gone to the pass when the run was there. Or it's third and three and Ben's in shotgun and he's throwing the football to Fryermuth short of the stick and he has to fight his way for the first down. Throws to Deontay Johnson short of the stick, fight for a first down. If I want anybody to catch or touch the ball short of the stick and fight their way for three yards in a first down... It's going to be the only guy you have faith in to get you extra yardage, and that's Najee Harris. And he's... Not only that, I've yet to really see him go down on first contact. To fail to get you that extra yardage. I mean, we we talked about at length last week when the Steelers were driving at the end of regulation against Seattle, it was about a third and 18 or a third and 16. Without Najee Harris getting that ball, you do not get the extra five yardage. Yes, you were short of the first down, but it ended up being fourth and two rather than fourth and 14 or fourth and 10 or fourth and eight. Chris Boswell no longer has a 52-yard field goal ahead of him. He now has a 55, maybe even something near 60 yards where you're not nearly as confident. Yes, he's having one of the best years of his career right now, but still you're much more confident and you're much more at ease sending him out there for a 51, 52-yard field goal than you are with anything longer than that. And you only are in that position because of Najee Harris getting the ball. Looking back at the first half, Saints again on Monday night, uh, and maybe this is a tough comparison to make because the Saints' offensive line is just, it's better than the Steelers because you could really pick 30 different teams in the NFL and probably say that their offensive line is better than the Steelers. But third and 10, and Sean Payton calls a run play. And it's picked up easily by Alvin Kamara on the outside. The rush was coming from the Seahawks on the outside. And so Sean Payton takes his main horse, mm-hmm. runs it right towards the rusher, the, the pass rusher, mm-hmm. who blows right by Alvin Kamara, easy 11 yards in the first down. You, Guess what? You can do that, Pittsburgh. Najee Harris can do the exact same 100%. thing. 100%. I'm worried that the offensive line can't. But at the same time, the offensive line is getting better week after week after week. I know that they might have taken a minor step back against Seattle, but it wasn't an egregious step back. They still rushed for over 100 yards total as a team in that game. You can do that kind of stuff, Matt Canada, in the Steelers' offense. Mm -hmm. You can run on obvious passing downs because, A, your quarterback, I don't know how much, and your receivers keep stopping their routes short of the sticks. So both of those things, they're really frustrating on third and five, third and six to see that happen. Run the ball a couple times on third and five, third and six. I guarantee you, you'll be surprised with the results. And I guarantee you, the first couple times you do it, that defense ain't going to be expecting you to hand the ball off to Najee Harris. You're going to get wide open running lanes because they're going to be selling out to stop the pass. Put four wide receivers out there, spread it all out, go in the shotgun if you want to, and then sidecar hand it off to Najee. I, 
I would bet at least the first couple of times he does it, he picks up those six yards and gets the first down. Just because everyone is expecting the Steelers to pass the ball. This All is the most pass-friendly team the league has seen over the past three years. Because you'd set the formation up to look like that, and your film throughout the whole year would tell you they're passing on these third and six, third and five situations. Uh, but you got the running back. I'd like to see him used more in those kind of scenarios. I'd like to see him used more in the running game, uh, uh, just in general. Uh, I think that— Just run the ball more. I think they're committing to it more than they were last year for sure, but I still think there's more to be desired there. Right, you're seeing progress. It's just the progress you want to see. You're not satisfied with how much progress you've seen. And I understand he's a rookie. So you have to you know, weigh everything with a little bit of a grain of salt, and you have to— Make sure that you're not going to burn this rookie out early in his career. He's playing 17 football games in this regular season. At Alabama, at the most, he played 14. And that's including going to the SEC championship game, winning that, and then winning two playoff games to get a national title. Like, that's the ceiling, is 14 games for him. Uh, he could play as little as 12 games in, in college football. Mm. So this is an increase in five, set five, four games that he's going to have to play this year, and that takes a lot on rookies' bodies. I mean, especially when you consider the the volume of which he's getting touched. When you're a running back, year. yeah, especially, and you know the rookie wall is a thing. I mean, that's been Chase Claypool theoretically hit it last year. Almost all rookies face some sort of fatigue later in the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Jamar Chase slows down a little bit as the season goes on just because you never played this much against this kind of a physical opponent in your life Think before. about it. Joe Burrow played how many games last year? Five, six, I can't, and seven? then he blew his knee out. So he has yet to play a full season as well. It, he, doesn't know the, he doesn't know the toll it takes to play exactly. a full it's, season. Exactly. It's a different animal, and that's why you got to be a little careful with a guy like Najee but at the same time, you also have to recognize when you might have lightning in a bottle and you might have those outliers, those dudes that it don't matter that I'm playing 17 games for the first time. I've been craving playing this. When I was done at Alabama, when the national championship game wrapped up, I was ready to go to practice the next Monday. I wanted to play another football game the next week. Like, I think Najee, and honestly the guy I just brought up that could hit a wall, Jamar Chase, mm -hmm. those two guys might be in the same mold of – players that from start to finish just dominate their rookie season and never really hit that wall super hard yeah maybe they take a step back a game here and a game there and maybe they don't look their self every single week but from week one to week 17 they're making big time plays for your football team at week 18 now I guess they're making big time plays for your football team and I just think that Tomlin wants to go workhorse Le'Veon Bell 30 carries a game with him. There's just a little birdie in the back of his head that's saying, ah, he's a rookie. You got to be a little careful. Next year's the year I really run the wheels off. I think it might be time after this bye week. Bust those training wheels off, Mike. Let's run this guy into the ground this year. I have no problem with that. He's already shown you, yes, the rookie wall could come, but right now, he, I think he has, what, the, the third most touches or the second most touches out of not just any rookie, but all players, rece re receiver, running back. It does not matter regardless of position. He is top three in the league in touches right now. And all he's shown you week after week is he's done something more incredible as the, as the season has gone on. So there's no reason to not feed him the ball more and more and more. I'll say it again. 
you like to have you like the progress you've seen so far, but you're still left wanting more. There is still progress left to be made. Just as fans, you crave him touching the ball more, of course, because he's so explosive. Even though, even though Deontay watching him step out of a break and just put a guy on his knees is is awesome to see. Seeing Chase Claypool run down the sideline, pass someone, and high point a ball perfectly is awesome to see. I still want to see Najee Harris highlight above everyone else. It's so fun to watch. He's, these Alabama running backs, there's something they're putting in the water down there because they are just, everyone lately is just There's another hit, one. He's the other one that's, that's emerging right now. Damian Harris Damian in Harris New England. In New just England. had a huge game against the Jets. I mean, every single one lately has just been hit after hit after hit after hit, except for Trent Richardson, but the Browns took him, so we don't care that he and that, was the that's only a, That's the Browns from a decade ago, not the Browns of... <laughs> of yesteryear of last year that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers standard as always we appreciate you giving us a listen for jacob Recht, i am tom obferman we'll talk to you guys next time on the next edition of the Steelers standard